What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Public Speaker Podcast. Now, on this episode, we are doing a speech analysis of a talk by Mel Schwartz, who talked about getting over anxiety and dealing with the problems of anxiety. Um, so I like this talk. I think it had some really good takeaways from it. It wasn't like the most amazing, crazy talk, but it was a good perspective on the idea of uncertainty and embracing fear. Um, and, not, and there was a, a large, cohesive message about how uh, anxiety is caused through the stress of not knowing the future. And, and if you're stretching, stressing about not knowing the future, that is only going to create more anxiety versus just going through the future and dealing with whatever happens. That actually, like scientifically, research-wise, will reduce your anxiety and not create the, the inability for you to move forward in your life. So a simple message, but I think really well communicated in the speech. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. Leave a speech that you would like me to review, and hopefully it makes this podcast. But yeah, let's get into the talk. In any given year, 40 million Americans will suffer from debilitating anxiety. Over the course of your lifetime, there's a one out of four chance that you'll have an anxiety disorder. That is such a staggering rate. It suggests that we've entered into a new realm. We've acclimated to a new norm, one of mass disquiet. Anxiety exists in epidemic proportions in our culture. So let's talk about the introduction a little bit. Um, this introduction was using a statistic or a fact to then be able to implicate the audience. So it does two things. A, it makes the audience feel like, wow, that's such a crazy statistic, which will hopefully get their attention to listen towards what the statistic will do to frame the rest of the speech. And the second thing it does, it says one in four people, so uh, or like 40 million Americans. So uh, the people in the audience have probably felt a relationship towards what he's talking about because it's so... Uh, widespread and there's a good probability that it happened to them that those people will now also want to hear what the speaker is talking about so that was a good way to get people uh, captivated and ready to listen to the rest of the speech if 40 million people fell mysteriously ill on a physical level the Center for Disease Control would be searching for the cause and looking to find the solution as a practicing psychotherapist it's never made sense to me that the best we can do is try to manage this disorder, typically through medication. So I've been searching to understand why we struggle in this way. Now, I'm not talking about normal levels of stress, which are typical in our lives. I feel some stress standing here right now. That's the stress of engagement, of being productive and generative and moving forward. But when stress turns into distress, it impedes, it blocks our ability to live our lives well with joy, to be present in our relationships. So I've been searching to understand why we are entrenched in this epidemic of anxiety. So here Mel has created the problem that he's gonna be trying to solve in the speech, which is um, this sort of epidemic of stress and anxiety that is um, sort of like forced onto people. He's basically gonna be figuring out what his journey has been like trying to solve that problem and that's most likely gonna be uh, the format of this entire speech. Here's what I've learned. I find that primarily the cause of such anxiety is due to our relationship with our thoughts. You see, when our thoughts are constantly seeking certainty, wanting to know the future in advance, we get anxious, we get fearful. We can't know that future in advance, it's unknowable. But we still continue to search for it. It sets up a 
the struggle to actually engage in the flow of life. Rather than experiencing life, we're trying to ward off the uncertain. This induces fear in our lives. Ask yourselves, think to yourself, what causes stress, fear, and anxiety in my life? Does it have something to do with my need to know the future? A number of years ago, I was working with a woman who came to see me around her relationship, her marriage, and her anxiety disorder. She shared with me that she was unhappily married in a loveless marriage. Her husband had refused marriage counseling, and she said they were very disconnected and conflicted. They were both financially independent, and they had no children. So I asked her, why do you continue to stay married? She shared that it was around her uncertainty about who would I be if I got divorced? What would my life be like if I were not married? I was incredulous at first because the known in her life was setting up such despair, such anguish, such depression, and such anxiety. But there it was, her need to know who she would be in the future precluded her from moving forward and kept her stagnating in life and stuck in the way she was. So this is a good example. Um, this example sort of brings up his larger argument that if we are afraid of embracing the unknown, that is going to stop us uh, from taking risks to ultimately change our lives for the better. And the fear of the unknown is, is the stress and anxiety that we feel, which stops us, it precludes us from being able to move forward. So there was a transition into this example based upon his experience with talking to this person. And now this example is adding more value to the speech. So when you're trying to give a public speech, you should try to take away what examples can you articulate that are going to be effective in proving your macro level message within micro level examples that ultimately are interconnected and intertwined to form a cohesive argument. The need to know who would I be kept her mired in an unhappy, if not miserable relationship. I see this phenomenon occurring on so many levels in our lives. So how did we get to be this way? How did we get stuck requiring certainty? After all, we seek uncertainty when we go to sports events, movies, read books. But in our personal lives, we try to thwart and block uncertainty. I track the cause back to the great 17th century scientist, Sir Isaac Newton. Newton proposed that if we had enough information, today what we might call data, that we might reasonably predict a future event. This became known as determinism. But we took it to an extreme. It led us to slicing and dicing our options, getting us stuck in our lives. It created a fear, a fear of making the wrong move. It's almost as though we are living our lives as though we're playing a chess match, sitting back and deliberating, but afraid of making the wrong move. If you have problems making decisions, if you get stuck and moving forward in your life, you probably have an issue with around your fear of uncertainty. Here's the good news. It turns out we've been living from the wrong game plan over the last hundred years. So that was a really good analogy with the chessboard thing. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Now it seems like he's gonna to move towards the solution with because he said we've been playing the wrong game and let's see where this ultimately goes. Remarkable discoveries in the field of quantum physics have revealed that the universe, reality, is nothing like what we imagined it to be. It's not Newton's reality. Reality is not fixed, deterministic, or predictable. Nothing is inert. 
It is a flowing, moving, bubbling sea of possibilities, infinite potentiality. And we, too, can jump into that game plan and live our lives that way once we can reframe our relationship with uncertainty. Think about it. Embracing uncertainty allows you to start to navigate and craft your own life decision. I used this concept with that woman who was stuck in that troubled marriage. I asked her to close her eyes and imagine that she was standing by the bank of a river. I explained to her that the river, metaphorically, was going to resemble the flow of her life, the current of life, particularly the middle of the river where the current would get strong. She closed her eyes, and I let a few seconds pass. And then I asked her what she saw. She said to me, she sees herself in the middle of the river where the current is strong, but there's a large rock. Let's call it a boulder. And she's grabbed a hold of that boulder. And I asked her why. Why are you holding on to the boulder? And she said, well, the river is bending to the right up ahead, and I need to know where it's going to take me. Let's presume that that's going to be her life as a divorced or single woman. She needed to know. I explained to her she needed to let go of that boulder and enter into the flow of life, and that once she did, she'd be free to navigate along the way, but she had to let go of that boulder. How do we accomplish this? How do we have this shift of mind to allow us to make these changes in our lives? First, we have to change our relationship with uncertainty. You know, typically what we fear, we resist. We go like this. We push it away. And when we do that, it emboldens it. It makes it greater. It makes us more anxious. Paradoxically, what we need to do is invite what we fear in. When you invite it in, in this case, invite uncertainty in, the fear starts to dissipate. It starts to retreat. Think of it this way. If reality is uncertain and we cling to seeking certainty, we're going to dysfunction. We need. I like that. I like that a lot. If reality is uncertain and we cling to certainty, we're going to dysfunction. I think this is where we're getting to the broader purpose of the speech. So the talk is called breaking free from anxiety, but we're seeing that it goes more deeper than anxiety. It's a larger philosophical argument about the nature, uh, about the need to uh, embrace fear and what that will do to help us break out of anxiety. So I overall like where the trend and the purpose of the speech is going. To change our game plan of how we engage life. Next, think about your relationship with your thoughts. If you still see your thoughts are seeking certainty, you need to notice those thoughts. Try to release them. Essentially, see the thought, but don't become the thought. If you don't become that thought, you can release it. Because the moment you have a thought, the thought summons up the accompanying emotion. They work in tandem. So if you have a thought seeking certainty, you're going to feel fearful. You're going to feel anxious. In the nanosecond between your thoughts, you exist in a state of pure potential. That's the universal reality. But if you keep having thoughts that are seeking certainty, garnering fear, you're never going to transcend anxiety. The most, the most important relationship you will ever have in your life isn't with your parents. It isn't with your children. It's not with your spouse. The relationship that's going to impact you far more than any other relationship you have ever had is with your thoughts. 
You need to learn to choose them with care. Turn your thoughts into your ally. When you do that, you can begin to write the script of your own life. Think of it this way. Uncertainty can be the wind in the sail of your life that generates your ability to move forward and experience your life without fear, without anxiety, and with joy and the ability to be present. Embrace uncertainty. It can be your best friend. Thank you. Okay, so that was Breaking Free from Anxiety by Mel Schwartz. What I liked about this uh, talk uh, outside of the actual speech were some of the camera angles. I, I don't know if you guys saw, but it's actually really cool to me to see the actual audience faces and see how they're reacting. I saw some people not looking. I saw some people deeply involved. I saw some people who seemed like they care. Um, one of the most fascinating things to me is, is like, is the audience actually listening? Are you actually talking to people that, like, are embracing the message you're trying to communicate? And it's never their fault if they aren't. It is always the speaker's fault. You have that obligation. Um, so just in terms of the camera angles, some of the talks we've been doing on this channel haven't really shown that. So I liked that the camera angles on this were good. In terms of the content of the speech, I thought it was good. I thought there was a larger philosophical message. I think there could have been maybe a little bit more passion and energy in his voice and his influctuation. But outside of that, no real problem with the actual speech itself. Um, so let me know what you guys think. Leave it in the comments. We can go back and forth. Leave a speech you would like me to review. And thank you for watching this episode of Speech Analysis, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.